Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire Chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on that support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for all of your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 23rd installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on February 10th, 2018, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an introductory, and I'm going to stress that again, introductory <laughs> look into Warhammer 40K, uh, which is an immense, immense topic, and uh, we'll... Oh man, I'm I'm actually looking forward to this one. So this is your host, Blue Crew eighty six. Alongside me, we have our master of social media, the one and only Green Eye Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing doing well tonight. Looking forward to tonight's chat. I am looking forward to finally figuring out why everybody is so in love with this <laughs> franchise. Because I was trying to explain this to our guests that I grew up in the country. There's no gaming stores around. The nearest gaming store was four hours away. So I had no idea this even existed until college. And by that point, oh, I was involved in other things. <laughs> that would that would have been a culture shock right there. It was. It was interesting. Oh, but yeah, man. I'm excited for it. Well, of course, for all of these topics, especially this particular topic, we always want to make sure we have someone who is well-versed in the lore. That being said, I was actually given a recommendation for our guest tonight by our favorite sultry tiger and our friend across the pond. My name is Bife. So I am actually happy, happy to welcome Receptor 17, also known to, in some circles as the Nutty Irishman, into the conversation. Welshman, oh, whatever, whatever. It's all the same, right? No, no, no. <laughs> we, start the, we start the show with you insulting my uh, You feel uh, uh, we start, See, to be to be fair. To, to be that. fair, to be fair, <laughs> I the, the the conversation was also started with, with me and Receptor. I, I reached out to Receptor and I was like, so Bife Bife told me to talk to you, and he goes, "Yeah." Bife told me that you're a filthy Xenos lover, and I, I, my immediate response was, "I have no idea what any of that means, but okay, I'll take it." So, also, also just to show, sultry tiger, sultry tiger, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man, you got, I know, you got it. Well, I know to call him when I go talk to him. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, if you've listened, to, if you listen to Bife, it's it's kind of you know, and he and he likes his logo being the the tiger so you know i tell you bife bife has the bife effect so that's what we call him oh my <laughs> get into chad perch the alien <laughs> well so, no I, I was gonna i was gonna say can you can you let us uh let people know where we can find you and actually what got what got you into for, uh 40k Oh, well then, um, you can find me typically uh, at the Twitter handle at Receptor17. Uh, I'm also streaming on Mixer with Receptor underscore 17. And typically you'll find me lurking around my name is Vice uh, content because I'm one of his admins to help him out with certain factors in his Markontum Discord chat and some other bits and pieces. But yeah, uh, Warhammer 40,000. So I got into the universe uh, 
11 years ago um, in three months uh, through a friend of mine who let me borrow one of his books, which was from the universe, uh, which was from what's known as the Horus Heresy series. A lot of people have um, got into 40K as a direct result of this series, which focuses on one of the biggest tumultuous periods from uh, Warhammer 40,000's backstory. And from that then, I started collecting the miniatures. Uh, Since I was surrounded by unpainted miniatures that are just staring at me, demanding to be painted, which I've been waiting to do for over three months because I'm very, very bad with procrastination painting. And as a result now, I've probably sunk... um, I dread to think I probably sunk about five grand into this hobby over eleven years because it is it's it is quite an expensive hobby if you do the miniatures and you do collect them. But for this one, for the universe, it is one of the richest universes that has been built over thirty years. So yeah, that's how I got into it, and I've been uh, a part of it ever since. Nice, nice. So so you you uh you know you kind of you kind of have a good understanding of what you're talking about is what I hear. To a great extent. I mean, um, mostly uh, I've been collecting human-based uh, um, armies for since the beginning. So, uh, somewhat such a lay with the Space Marines, with some Chaos Space Marines. So, yes, I'm partially heretic. Purge me as you will. I'll wait for the seven artists later. Um, I've also been focusing on a lot of that stuff. But there is so much stuff with uh, the alien races known as Xenos, which I have really collected as such. So, if anyone in the chat uh, corrects me as saying, I welcome it. Please do correct me if otherwise... I'll then also mark you as heretics and we'll deal with you later. But it's been been a very much a a very, very big part of my life for a while because for me getting into the hobby very deeply, especially on the law side, was because of a specific website called the Baltron Chainsword. This is a website that originally was dedicated specifically to uh, Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines, also as power armored uh, units, but then expanded to the rest of the universe. And from that, there was a specific section called the Lever Astartes, with the Libra Astartes, it was where uh, you could write stories and make basically a full backstory to your own custom army of Space Marines. And from that, then, I've done about 20-odd articles over the last couple of years, refining and remaking so that it fits in the universe. So you kind of have to understand the universe to actually make it fit within it, because if you get it wrong, the, uh, what people know as the Fluff Masters or Liberites will tear you to pieces. <laughs> the Fluff Masters. I, I, like, I like that. <laughs> Is it, yeah, that, that, is that, that is the slang for um, the law of 40k it's known as the <laughs> that is amazing oh my gosh I make, that actually that actually makes me really kind of happy <laughs> it's is the the grim darkness of <laughs> warhammer and and you have fluff masters <laughs> oh man well and i i see i i believe beard got yeah, jumped right. in how are you doing, yeah. Beard? You uh, you ready for some information on another another grindy game series? Mm, all hail Slanesh! What? Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Oh, oh, Wait, <laughs> hang on. I think I got the wrong one. I think I got the Wait. wrong one. Hang on, let me click. click hang on, hang on. <laughs> let me find a different so, lexicon. So, so what you try to tell me is Beard is a filthy, debauchous, hedonistic creature. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in, in one of the first things that I think uh, Bife and I had talked about, actually, uh, he had actually lined some of us up, and I think I was either Zinch or Slanesh. I could, I cannot recall who, but somebody was Slanesh. Basically, and I had do, to... you, do you find leather to be appealing to you? 
if the answer is um, yes, you will solve it. May, maybe, maybe not the way that some people would hope. But... Wow! Oh, no. Saturday streams are holding their thing. Well, look, okay, when we're talking about Warhammer, let's let's be frank and honest here. There's going to be some of that, all right? You're dealing with Dark Elves. They're kind of kooky. <laughs> They're kind of kooky. I think that's probably the mildest way to describe them, but we do them possibly too. I mean, to be fair, the entire universe is kind of kooky, but... Uh, it's it's the kind of kind of kooky where everyone has about three guns strapped to themselves or possibly fuse their bodies and will kill you as soon as they see you and want something from you. <laughs> yes. That's that's an accurate kind of kooky. <laughs> oh man. Well, real quick, let's run through the the standard intro notes uh just to get everything out of the way and then we'll jump right into it if that sounds good for you guys. Yes. I am here now. The show can now start. No, the sorry. show can now start. All right, hey, <laughs> there we go. We're good. Before we start off the chat tonight, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed Dead Space. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new Focus Fire chat for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering, where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We do try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation in the first Wednesday of each month, but as we are doing this month, sometimes that changes. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our new website. These include podcasts focused on Destiny, Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghosted Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Doom. So be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that conversation. With all that being said, Receptor, where do you think is the best place to start when looking for a really, really basic understanding of Warhammer 40k? A basic understanding? I mean, it's it's very difficult, actually, because the Games Workshop website has some small stuff on it already where you can get some small ideas, snippets aware of understanding different bits, but... Probably your best bet is actually looking on uh, Lexicarbon, uh, I think still.org is basically the dedicated wiki for uh, 40k. Or, of course, you have the well, 40,000 wiki here as well, which you can just do a Google search on. Or, hopefully, if they listen to this episode, they can find out a little bit about the universe. We shall uh, find out how well this goes. Awesome. But, yeah, that will go down, grab the rule books, or look on the Black Library. 
And well, okay, well, real quick. So we were kind of talking about that beforehand too. Um, let's let's. Do you want to talk about? Would the Black Library be a good place to start, or would it be rather more beneficial to start with like the actual historical, like the history of where Warhammer as a game actually came from? Well, it kind of depends, really, because people um, tend to enjoy different factors of 40 It's such an expansive universe. There's the hobby side things of building the models or painting. There's the gameplay side and, of course, the history side. Now, I got in via the first Horus Heresy novel, and that's how I expanded my view from that point by getting the rule books, which explained a little bit more of the backstory. But if you want to start in just by dipping your pinky toe, just getting an idea of how 40K works or the universe in general, the best way to go is... Um, Probably to go with one of the Warhammer 40,000 novels the Black Library offers, say, if it was one of the Space Marine Battles, if you want to know about the joys of um, post-surgical uh, post, um, superhumans destroying everything in their path in the name of the Emperor, or if you want to go for something a little bit more uh, looking at the huma- Humanities Imperium in general, then you have stuff like the Inquisitor series by Dan Abnett, and those will be nice little dip, dipping your pinky toes into the universe. Then you can then decide your path from there. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I, I have. I honestly, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be blunt. I'm gonna leave the the direction on on this one because I'm. I think I'm speaking for the rest of the team here. Is like we. This is actually a game series that I'm. I'm familiar with, like from a, a 50, 50 foot view. Like from as like I had friends growing up that were really big in Warhammer, but I was always more of a paper and pencil RPG player. And so in Warhammer, you know, for for those who are completely not aware of what Warhammer is, is a tabletop RPG. Well, even even RPG, I think, to a degree is a little bit of a stretch, um, especially, you know, back. I think, gosh, man, that was. That was back in that would have been probably like the fifth or sixth edition era. Um, you know, I was in again as a as a as a as a uh, witness to the, the the madness that was Warhammer. Um, I didn't really understand much of it. <laughs> it was like there was a little there were little figures that were on really cool table maps that everyone was obsessed with painting. Mm-hmm. But okay, so that's my thing I love about 40k that I've seen is the paint painted miniatures. Like I have no idea how the actual function of the game works, but some of the artwork that the people have done for their miniatures is just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And the detail is amazing to me. Painting is even more fun, especially when you try to go, there is so much detail, how do I get all this detail out in one paint? It, it can be mm-hmm. a heck of a challenge. When it's done properly, you can be very happy about it and then put it on display and forget about it forevermore. Because that's the worst thing. When you paint something so nice, so beautiful, you don't want to play it on the tabletop of the turn-based strategy game, and you're kind of like, I don't want to damage this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it puts, it, puts a, it puts a personal connection, you know, that... That from from like a D and D player, you know, I mean, we sp- I spend a lot of time creating the background stories and creating the individual characters, but it's all uh, for the most part, it's all you know imaginative. Like, there's not anything physically, you know, other unless you're playing like a, a map where you have like a token. But even then, you know, tokens are you know they're they're not they're not like 
personally individualized like the the pieces that i've seen for um oh what are what are the uh, one of my friends played the the rat people the, oh the skaven that's skaven the, uh, we'll have a fancy happen yeah yeah so like one of them i mean and he had like I, I'm I'm not like hundreds and hundreds of these things that were all individually. I mean, he could you could point to him and he could tell you like all this just crazy like trivia facts about that individual piece and you know and it was just like that was that was to me was kind of like just the crazy fascinating part of Warhammer was as far as a tabletop miniature game, you know, it was a very very personable. Or very sorry, very personalized um, game. Like you, you had characters in that game that you, you know, as a player had had directly created and brought to life in your own way. And I thought that was a fascinating, you know, fascinating uh, aspect to it. Um, but to kind of real quick, just I guess just to just to kind of go off that real quick, um, a tabletop miniature game uh for those who might not <laughs> might not know what i'm talking about uh is a basically it's a war game that's played out with miniature fi- literally literally miniature little figurines and if you think if you think that like uh rpgs are kind of cool when you're talking about video games i really encourage you to go out and look up like youtube videos of tabletop games because holy j- wow I mean, some of the most amazing pieces of work as just the maps, the maps alone, I think are, they just blow you away. Um, but yeah, so like a war game, oh God, the, the map, I mean, D and D has started, uh, D and D trying to dip their toe in it with the chain mail series, which was kind of a, eh, but like, you know, they've gotten better at it. I will be honest. Um, they, they're not doing chain mail anymore. Thank, thank goodness. But they, they, have Wizards of the Coast, you know, backing there, so they have a little bit more money. But they even even D and D though, you know, you get the figurines are pre prefabbed, right? They're not, they don't, you don't make them yourselves. Whereas with Warhammer, you and correct me here, Receptor, you actually put them together, right? Yep, they uh, come like an airfix kit. Uh, they come in on multiple parts on sprues. And then you have to build them, uh, glue uh, glue them, and base them, then paint them. And it's it's quite a nice thing. I mean, it's it's a very therapeutic thing for me as well, just making a miniature. And if what's known as kit bashing, where you adjust it so it's unique from the original style, you're the only person who owns that miniature. Nobody right. else has exactly the same one, which is quite a nice little touch. I mean, because uh, it, it, it's a it, you sink so many hours into putting this together and. Once you make them, it's like you'd be very, very proud of. Or yeah, like me, yeah, if you make know, oh my melting a which I've done before, I managed to infamously melt a um, an aircraft because I put it under a lamp for too long and the cockpit oh, no. looked like a laser gun straight to the top. <laughs> that was a good day. Also, if you think that Magic the Gathering happens to be an expensive hobby, no, <laughs> yeah, no, oh man, that was that was the other thing is like having having you know watched this while I was in in basically in middle school and high school, you know, I didn't I didn't have the the necessary funds, let's just say, to keep up yeah. with with. Uh, I mean, yeah, D and D was pushing my resources just with the textbooks. So yeah, Warhammer. Mm-hmm. It was like you you sit there and you look at it and you're like, you want how much for these things? 
<laughs> like, and you yeah, had, it's, you uh, have to have them. Like, it's not like D and D where you can use your imagination. Like, in order for doing a tabletop, you have to have the miniatures. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason this hobby is typically referred to as the plastic crack addiction. Because <laughs> yes. no matter how many times you try and get away from it, you'll always come crawling back. <laughs> and uh, if you want to keep your kids out of doing drugs, just get them into 40k. Guarantee they, they'll never do drugs. They just won't be able to afford it. Well, they, they, will, they will do drugs. It's just the wrong kind of drugs. It's like yeah, sniffing in the wrong dust. It'll be the, it'll be the red and plastic. You'll be fighting oh, the miniatures. Don't you don't you mean the dust from the bottom of the wallet as they look at the bottom of the wallet and go, um, what money? Uh, What's rent? What's see rent? Model, see that model over there of that of that ship that I just got done painting? Oh that costs five hundred dollars. Just don't even just don't even talk to me. Don't yeah, talk I mean, to me. once you start hitting the resin, you really you, you've you've hit the hard stuff. <laughs> once you go for stuff from Ford World, you really have caught off the deep ends because. Uh, I think to, to sum it up, they, they sell um, what's known as a Titan. Now, this thing is huge uh, in terms of 40, in 40k things. It's about two foot tall or three foot tall, and you're sinking over $2,000 into this miniature. And that's just for the base. Oh. That's not including the weapon arms and what? the paint. That's one, that's one, that's, one that's piece? That's just for the torso and the legs. That doesn't include yeah. the weapon arms. Oh yeah, my, my gosh. My my buddy has been into it off and on for I don't know how long. He had a I think a near full set of dark elves and I forget how much he ended up spending, but I know it was somewhere in the couple thousands. But that was over the course of like a few years. So it was uh it was an undertaking for him. It was it was big. I mean yeah, once once you invest oh, it's yeah. it's big. Well, and yeah, I was going to say know. too. The other thing is, those are just the, um, those are just the pieces. Like that's not even yeah. the the table maps, all, right? All the rule books, or the scenery, or the codexes, or if you want to know the backstory, the novels. So yeah, you will sink in a lot with it. Thankfully, though, with the um, the starter sets, which will cost you probably about seventy bucks, you get enough miniatures then for two small armies. It also includes a basic rulebook, so you have the rules in place and the bits you need to do it. So that's a good baseline. So you have that. Then, if you wish to expand, you have the options to go one way or the next. But yeah, it's a it's very much a um, a, a very expensive hobby, but it can be one of the most rewarding hobbies you do. And the people you meet as well can be a lot of fun. I mean, there's there are a few places where you can go to a event where. All of you, about 2,000 people, are all screaming wah at the top of their voices. After Jeremy Popper, I'm looking like, what on earth is going on over there? Oh, the wog. <laughs> oh, the wog. Yeah, the oh. wah. We, we, we will get to the war shortly. Yeah. Well, and, and so just, just really quick, uh, some some rough history. It was the Warhammer was created in around 1987. So it is actually, you know, we are again, this is something we were talking about a little bit before show. It's coming up on 31 years 
uh, having been around. Yeah, that's gonna be it's that's it's an imp- that's an impressive benchmark for for anything, let alone a, an RPG of any kind. Um, and it was actually the it was originally created, I think, Rogue Trader, I think, was what it was originally called as a science fiction. Yeah. Com- yeah, science fiction companion to what was known then Warhammer Fantasy Battle, which was that has and receptor correct me here if I'm wrong, but that actually is no longer around. That that stopped in 2015, right? It's basically been updated to an advance in the timescale now called Warhammer Age of Sigma. Now I've never gone to uh, that side myself because it was not in my scene, you know, sort of. I want guns, damn it! I want lots of guns. <laughs> <laughs> Also, shoot guns, actually. I'm turning into an orc, God help me. So uh, it's very much, yeah, it was originally a spin-off for that, and then it just grew from there, because um, when they got to, I think it was 30 years um, last year, uh, they actually started releasing compendiums of some of the original stuff from Rogue Trader, which I have copies of for the Chaos sites and the Space Fleet sites. And just some of the Big events were even descri- uh, described even then in the monthly magazines called White Dwarf, which is still released at, the, at this time. And from that, then the universe just expanded and exploded when Second Edition came along right. in the nineties, and that's when the rules started making a little bit more sense because the old rules in Rogue Trader were nuts, <laughs> and then well, Second yeah, Edition. Yeah. Was- a little less nuts than third edition came along, and they said, "Okay, this is very silly. Let's settle this down and actually make it a viable tabletop game with prop with some ironclad rules." And uh, the other so, thing, real quick, is this is where a lot of a lot of people attribute the, I, I guess the the introduction of the term grimdark, uh, and that is actually kind of coming from the game's tagline that says, "In the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war." Uh, Actually, and, would you like the full uh, like the full intro for it? Because yes, at the start what? of every Black Library novel, they have this intro for Warhammer Forty Thousand. It is the forty-first millennium. For more than a hundred centuries, the Emperor has sat immobile on the golden throne of Earth. He is the master of mankind by the will of the gods, and master of a million worlds by the might of his inexhaustible armies. He is uh, rotting a carcass with riding invisibly with power from the Dark Age of technology. He is the carrion lord of the Imperium from whom a thousand souls are sacrificed every day so that he may never truly die. Yet even in this deathless state, the Emperor continues his eternal vigilance. Mighty bat fleets across the demon-infested miasma of the warp, the only route between the distant stars, the way lit by the Astronomicon, the psychic manifestation of the Emperor's will. Vast armies give battle in his name on accounted worlds and unaccounted worlds. Greatest amongst his soldiers are the Adeptus Astartes, the Space Marines, his bioengineered super warriors. Their comrades in arms are Legion, the Imperial Guard, and countless planetary defense forces, the ever vigilant Inquisition, and the tech priest of the Adeptus Mechanicus, to name only but a few. But for all their multitudes, they are barely enough to hold off the ever present threat of aliens, heretics, mutants, and worse. To be a man at such times is to be one amongst untold billions. It is to live in the cruelest, most bloody regime imaginable. There are, these are the tales of those times. Forget the power of technology and science, for so much has been forgotten, never to be relearned. Forget the promise of progress and understanding, for in the grim, dark future, there is only war. There is no peace among the stars, only eternity of carnage and slaughter, and the laughter of thirsting gods. 
Welcome to Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> we hope you enjoy your <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, Warhammer 40,000, as 40k short, is it, I think it defined as a when you think Grim Dice, like when you reach levels of 40k, it's kind of like the whole thing of um, fans of fans of um, future set in space. Star Wars, oh great, I would love to become a Jedi, I'd love to learn the Force. Star Trek, oh yeah, I would love to see the stuff of the United Federations. Or 3,000, dude, are you nuts? No, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I, I attribute it to being Raven, the Raven Loft of tabletop games. It's, it, you don't want to be there. It, it's not a good it, place. It, it doesn't matter if you live or die, you will not be missed. But uh, in fact, I actually have one more uh, piece that sums up even better, which is just just how horribly dark this universe is. If I can just find it on my list here, because it's just nuts. So, with Star Trek, typically for you to get through one uh, from one place to another, you have antimatter meets matter, and the resultant mm-hmm. uh, explosion sends you across the stars at faster than speed of light. With Star Wars, specific crystals do this. Meanwhile, in one of 40,000, you literally travel through hell. Let me take mm-hmm. you through the average warp travel procedure for the Imperium. The captain calls down to prep the ship for warp expedition. At that time, 12,000 slaves who have never seen the outside of the work galley begin shoveling the dead bodies of the previous workers into massive furnaces along with whatever hard fuel source they had in storage, like a brutal Mr. Fusion. A field of pure psychic FU is generated around the ship, and the blind-lid, mentally traumatized man inside a metal egg begins screaming unendedly as he charts a course through the warp, which is basically a giant ocean of pure emotions which unnamed ones lounge about and F with uh, humanity by the luxury of simply existing. The ship then plows through the miasma of what you call hell if you lack an imagination, pray to the holy throne that the astropath doesn't accidentally get you lost, become possessed by a demon, or just explode like a mushy human piñata from mental stress of being around so much pure cannot be. If the void shields even flicker on the 8,000-year-old vessel, which no one actually understands completely how they work, demons made of rape and lemon juice will crawl into our reality to do things you literally can't imagine to every soul aboard. I mean that. The very notion of understanding the completeness of horror the human victims will be witness to would shatter your perceptual reality and cause your head to explode. The mission clock on the ship says they were in the warp for five days. It was 17 months for everyone on board. They also missed their destination by a couple of solar systems, and eight-tenths of the crew are dead. The captain turns to his bridge staff, pops the cork on a vintage stock of Jeric Ale, and salutes another successful warp jump. Welcome to 40k. <laughs> so, that happened. So, yes, um, if you, that hope is but the first step on the road to disappointment in this universe, and the path to evil is paved with good intentions. So, let's dive in. So, yeah, let's dive well, in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, all of 3,000 sets, uh, 38,000 years from our current future, um, where the majority of the universe is set around humanity, naturally, because we're humans, we want to know about ourselves, because we are egotistical idiots. And it is set at a time where the Imperium of Man, this is a vast empire, which is controlled by um, Terra, which is the name for Earth. And this empire, Imperium, is pretty much constantly on the verge of collapse. 
It has been so for the last 10,000 years after a cataclysmic event called the Horus Heresy, which I'll come to later, where at this point, um, not only is the Imperium fighting a multitude of aliens of many different sorts that just simply exist for the fact that they don't like humanity and want to get rid of humanity, or you have uh, ones that are trying to expand because they've kind of come into it, or you have aliens that have awoken from a couple of million years slumber and are kind of annoyed by the fact that we've uh, kind of become squatters on their territory and they want to get rid of us as a result. Atop this, we also have uh, the Chaos Realm, which is a other world of basically every emotion that we create becomes an entity in this warp. So every every angry thought you've had, every uh, sense thought you've had, every illness you've had has made some demonic form of life in this universe, along with the four big chaos gods. So you have all that, whilst trying to keep the Imperium of Man up and running, and it's just brutal. So, yeah, there is no happiness in this realm. So, to start it off with, I'm just going to break out the rule book and go right from the start. And if you heard that giant thud, that is all the books just hit the floor because these books are thick. So, we start with the Imperial Man. As mentioned, the Emperor of Mankind. Now, this man, um, or they believe man, is now considered a god. He never wanted to be a god, but we decided to make him a god anyway. And he uh, started off back about 12,000 years uh, before 1 before 40,000, where he uh, tried to unify humanity. Because at the time, there was a part where we were, we had tons of technology. We were amazing. We were spreading out across the stars. We were at our peak. Then a period of time came along known as the Dark Age of Technology, where things got started getting weird with technology, and it just went... We started doing very, very dark, depraved things. And not long afterwards, we had what became known as the Dark Time, where a great big warp storm went across the entire galaxy. And as a result, we could no longer warp travel, because... If you try to get through this, you'd just be destroyed, as described in that earlier entry of what happens if you go to the warp and things go horribly wrong. As a result, the planets all split uh, into their own factions and had their own wars, and it just fell apart. Completely fell apart. And at this point, the Emperor of Mankind, who was not the Emperor at this point, starts to try and rebuild. He was a very powerful psyker, which basically means he's a Jedi or wizard, or basically he has stupendously powerful psychic abilities. He could just do anything you could think of. He had the power to do so. And he tried to bend humanity to his will, first by uniting everything on uh, Earth or Terra, as it was known at this point, with unifaction wars, by creating uh, superhuman warriors known as space marines, which uh, I'll get a little bit more in-depth in after when we look at the different factions. From that point, he then uh, decided to expand out to conquer uh, Luna, also known as the Moon, and then onto Mars. Now, Mars became the hub of technology. It basically kind of became the Silicon Valley, if you will, and a heavy duty of humanity. And they then formed a uh, bi- uh, kind of like a bilateral agreement where they would help each other whilst expanding the universe. From this point, he also made. If the Emperor was a god, he made 20 demigods, also known as Primarchs, which are basically his sons, which took some of his genetic material and were then designed to be 
leaders of these great, vast legions of superhuman warriors of the Space Marines, as the Adeptus Astartes. Eventually, they were scattered all across the, uh, the galaxy by the Chaos Gods when they were young before the Emperor could get them old enough to start these wars because they didn't like this idea of this great big... Uh, who, who, who do you think you are, you great big psycho who has made a deal with us and you want to take over everything in the galaxy? No, we don't want that. So we're going to take your sons and we're going to fling them everywhere and you're going to have to find them. Aha, screw you. So eventually he um, forms his armies. They all spread out trying to find their these sons of Primarchs. And eventually he does find all of them bar two, which we still don't know what happened to them or their stories because they were purged from all existence. And eventually... The armies are great. Everything's going hunky-dory. It is the Great Crusade where they are expanding and reclaiming all the worlds that humanity owned, which is basically, do you, want, do you want to join us? You will say yes. If you don't say yes, we will destroy you and we will then take over the planet and you will come under our rule. Are you sure you want to disagree with us? Have you met our space marines? At which point, if you still disagree, you will basically be absolutely destroyed by these armies. Eventually, it got to the point where a specific faction of the Space Marines, a legion, the 17th legion, the word bearers, had this notion that the Emperor was a god. The Emperor didn't like this because he doesn't want to be a god. He, he was getting rid of religion from the Imperium of Man. Not allowed. It's, it's absolutely not allowed. Aliens and religion are the ultimate evils. If you practice either, you are dead. And thus, um, he censors them because they were toing him, uh, saying that he is a god. They set these wonderful worlds of just praises to the god emperor. And the emperor came along and said, no, this is not allowed. You are censored for this. And he destroyed the one of these specific uh, big planets as an example. The primarch of the word bearers, uh, known as Lorgar, who was the 17th son of the emperor, took this. He didn't take it well. And from that, he was a little bit twisted by his uh, adopted father, Corferon, who was basically raised him since he was a child until the emperor came and introduced him to the art, the old arts, which were basically the worships of chaos. From that, uh, Lorga decided, actually, yeah, this is cool. And I'm going to corrupt the rest of my brothers into fighting against the emperor because the emperor is evil and we need religion in our lives. And thus he went and uh, corrupted one of the best son of them all, known as the Warmaster, who was Horus Lupercal of the, I think it was the 14th Legion. And at this point, they then decide, actually, yeah, this is great. So we are going to set this up, but there are those who will never join us. So we're going to destroy them. As a result, we had the start of what was, became known as the Horus Heresy, where 10... Uh, legions of the Imperium decided, yeah, um, we don't like you, Emperor, anymore, so we're going to have a great big war, we're going to come to Terra from all across the galaxy, and we're going to root you out of your throne and kill you, and put Horus in charge of the Imperium instead. This subsequent war destroyed practically everything that the Empire had tried to build. The Imperium was a mess, and Terra was reduced again to a ruin, a lot of planets reduced to ruin, and as a result, the Emperor took on Horus, and eventually he had to uh, try to kill him with mind bullets after being mortally wounded himself, and was then placed into a giant golden throne, where his psychic uh, entity could continue to live 
and keep the Imperium going where they can actually traverse the stars through the warp by using his psychic energy as a lighthouse. If the Astronomicon was to fail, then if you went through the warp, you would be stuck. You would no idea where you are. You'd be lost to the multitudinal tides, and basically you would be destroyed by the demons who live there. So at this point, the Imperium falls to pieces. They try and rebuild it, and eventually they decide, actually, the Emperor was a god. So much to, without his knowledge, he, re- he was then turned into this god, which they all praise the god emperor. We have different factions form as a result. We have the Ecclesarchy, which is the kind of like the Vatican of the um, of or Imperium universe, because there is one religion, no other religion. If you so much as sway, even the slight passage, just if you get one word slightly different from the Imperial Creed, you are a heretic, and as such, you will be destroyed and killed and executed in multiple horrible ways imaginable. And thus we get into the Imperial Man, where everything is at war. So, with me so far? Actually, yes. Excellent. So, that's part one. That's part one. (laughs) Now let's move into early history, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the Imperium itself is controlled by not so as the High Lords of Terror, these 12 individuals rule the Imperium in the Emperor's name. It is they who send the Imperium's fleets to war and direct its nigh inexhaustible armies. Their task is to interpret the silence will of the Emperor, since he can't do it because he's basically a corpse on a golden throne, and relying on his ports of mind to guide their thoughts and despite their actions, which they don't really do that. It just kind of, they just do what they want and, you know, for the best and better to themselves. So nine seats are virtually sacrosanct, such as the Master of Ministratum, the Pattern Oval Envoy of the Navis Dobolites, and the Fabricator General of the Adeptus Mechanics, who's basically kind of like the big boss of building everything for the Imperium, because they build everything from um, the from the, the war machines to the just like your basic pencils, you know, everything from one to the end. And all the other ones are filled by the highest officials. So within the uh, 40k universe, you have the uh, alien armies as well. So the Imperial Man has to try and stay alive from different factions. So we're going to start with the Big Four. So starting with the Big Four, we have the Orcs, or as the Oruks, which are basically space orcs. These things uh, follow the two chaos gods of Gork and Mork. One is fighty but cunning, the other is cunning but fighty. And it is their sole purpose in life to fight. Just constantly fight. There is no greater source of happiness than fight. And they basically work everything through their own psychic belief that it works. You could pretty much, they could build a weapon out of duct tape and random scraps of metal, and it will be an effective, well, sort of effective weapon. That if it, the louder it is and the more bang it makes, the better, regardless of how accurate it is. And they are huge, hulking, great big green beasts. That's just run towards you in a swarm of green and we'll just try and chop you to pieces and just take over everything and stomp you to the ground. These creatures are basically spawned from fungus. So as opposed to the format of how you'd expect the mammals to reproduce and stuff, they basically form from mushrooms. They're basically evil, deadly green mushrooms that want to take over everything and just fight for all eternity. On the other side, we have the Eldar, now, they're known as the Eldari at this point, but these used to be the kings and queens of the universe uh, back when we were no, simply monkeys. In fact, 
That's what they call us. We are known as the Mon K, spelled M-O-N dash K-E-I-G-H. They regard us as like these primitive, brutal creatures who don't deserve the Imperium, but unfortunately they reached this point where they were at the peak and they thought, we could do everything. So we are going to just find the very far excesses of anything. So they just became absolutely hedonistic, debauched individuals. And as a result of this, they kind of made a great hole in the galaxy, forming what became known as the Eye of Terror, which is basically a great big portal into the Chaos uh, Realm, also known as the Warp. And they actually spawned a god as a direct result, which is Slanesh, because they were so so debauched, so many horrible things to do that make what we would consider absolutely disgusting BDSM as simply mild, they made a god as a result, and they split into two, which became the Dark Elder, also the Dukari, which are the completely off-the-deep-end BDSM nutjobs who will find pleasure through pain. And then you have the Eldar, which are kind of like the, the high elves of any other universe, which are very delicate, very fast, excellent at what they do, but rubbish when it comes into uh, anything that isn't involved in their speciality. And so they split off into these crafters trying to escape this uh, inevitability of the Ayaterra being formed. And as a direct result of this, uh, they are all that's left of this dying realm. We also have the joys of the Necrons. The Necrons originally, now I might get this a little bit wrong because they've kind of changed the backstory for these over the last couple of years, which is... The Necrons were originally one of the big forces of the universe back at the same time as the Eldar. They, they used to fight each other all the time. And they eventually sold their souls to a specific old god known as the Catan, spelled C uh, apostrophe T-A-N. And all their souls were put into these uh, autonomous robots, which could basically rebuild themselves. And eventually they would put themselves into stasis in tombs all across the galaxy. Now, at the point of 40k, they decide to wake up. As they woke up, they discovered all these new creatures sitting in their realms. I mean, how would you feel if you went to bed and woke up and found a whole bunch of squatters living in your house? This is basically what the um, Necrons think of this. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not happy with this. So we're going to reunite stuff and we're going to take back what we want. So now you have this unstoppable legion of death robots, with some, which now apparently have some kind of British humor to them. So it's a bit strange. <laughs> Next, we have the Tau Empire. The Tau Empire are the new boys. Originally in the 36th millennium, back when the Imperium was still kind of still recovering, still recovering at this point, uh, they discover these fish creatures who are kind of primitive. You know, they've just learned how to use bow and arrows, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, great, we'll keep an eye on them and we'll, de- we'll destroy them if they become a risk. Eventually, a warp storm takes over their, their system. Once the warp storm finishes, suddenly we have this highly advanced technical race of fish, uh, walking fish people who basically have giant mechas. Imagine Gundam wings, just a, just an army of Gundam wings. And that is the Tower Empire. They want to expand for the greater good, the greater good. And they want to introduce, they are kind of like the only good guys in Warhammer 40,000. Even then, they're still necessary evil at this point. And they want to expand the universe uh, from the Eastern Fridge, take over the galaxy, because they want everyone to join their lovely, happy religion of the greater good. 
And they are one of the few unique ones because they do not have any psychic capability, which every other creature does, bar a very small handful. So they're just expanding out and they're doing their own thing. And then we move on to the joys that are the Tyranids. So has have you guys ever heard of the Tyranids before? I yes. have not, but I'm sure, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> that doesn't yes. mean anything. Okay. <laughs> right. How to serve the Tyranids? The Tyranids arrived on the Eastern Fringe. Their sole purpose is to eat everything they see. Mm-hmm. They will uh, basically, because literally, that is it. They will eat everything. Basically, it's consume everything because they are slow takeover. Because everything they eat, they can then use and learn into this great big hive mind, which they all have. So imagine the Xenoborphs from Alien combined with the, um, what are the creatures from Starcraft? The, uh, the, the great big swarm. Yeah, because yeah. basically picture Xenomorphs with Zergs with those uh, cyborgs from Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, God. Oh, God. Add dinosaurs to the equation, and you basically have Tyranids. <laughs> and yeah, they kind of just want to eat everything inside. They just want to go nom 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 nom, and they are flipping terrifying. Because if you see one, you're pretty much dead. They have their their weaponry is alive. Basically, if you get hit by a by the equivalent of a Tyranid bullet, it will eat you. It will just, it is basically, it is a, a little alive bullet that will go nom 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 as soon as it goes into your body. And they are slowly, they initially, they had a great big high fleet which was destroyed by the Ultramarines uh, at one point at the start of the 40k, because they're one of the most recent uh, things to arrive into the 40k universe. And now it turns out there's a whole stack more coming in from all different angles, including one that's coming underneath the galactic plane, heading straight for Terra. Because they're being attracted by the great big Astronomicon, which is the Emperor's mind, because they pick up this psychic and they're like, ooh, a nice big psychic beacon, that must mean food. Yes, we shall go there, we shall have it all, nom 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 nom, and they will just eventually eat everything. So they're all happy, happy uh, go lucky things which just want to destroy everything. So how happy are we feeling right now? Do we feel getting, why am I suddenly getting a cal- uh, uh yeah, callous vibe from that, you know? So, yeah, very much so. Do, do we want to live in this universe at this point? I'm good. I'm well, good. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I can think of worse ones, but <laughs> I don't think it would make my top ten. All right, then. Let's dive into another top ten challenge. <laughs> I accept your challenge. Hold my beer. Yes, really. <laughs> right then. So um, let's go a little bit more in depth into some of the factions of the Imperium. So as I mentioned, we have the Space Marines. To sum up the Space Marines, um, you know at that age where you're 8 to 12, where you believe you're invincible and you can take on everything and you'll survive? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for I was like, oh God, I've already I've lost them just by this one <laughs> sentence alone. So what happens is the um the Emperor thought, actually, yes, I'm going to take these these young boys uh, who have this thought, and I'm going to turn them into great big super warriors 
who will continue to think this for the rest of their lives until they die? Because the uh, to sum up a how to make a space marine, I have the recipe book right here. So to sum it up, they will take you at age eight to twelve. You basically, uh, if you could prove you're an amazing warrior, where basically at this point you uh, typically for a space marine, they choose like uh, a hive ganger, so someone who lives in one of these uh, great big planets of city. Imagine Coruscant from Star Wars, but it is Detroit, and not just any Detroit, the Detroit from Robocop, where it is just hell, because the entire the entire planet is a hive world where you will just spires soar to the sky. You have if you're living on the top end, you are the posh people. Everyone else is a worker down the bottom, and you are just filth and nothing, and you just try and live your eke out your existence of twenty years at best. And to make a space marine, if I just find this in my book here, you have to go through, you have to have about 20 enhancements put into your body that will make you a superhuman, where you'll be trained forevermore to become the ultimate of the ultimate. So let's try to talk about some of the bits that you have in this. You have the Susan membrane, which is a brain implant that allows a space marine to enter a voluntary state of suspended animation. You have the Oculo, the organ ground space marine's eyesight that is sharper and more capable in low-light environments than a normal man's. The Betches gland, this modified salivary gland, produces acidic poison, so you can literally spit poison at people if you don't like them. You have the Neuroglottis, which enhances the space marine's sense of taste and smell until he can identify trace toxins and nutrients. You have the most important one, the Gene Seed. The Gene Seed is, uh, they give two glands, uh, which are put into their necks, and also one in the chest. This gene seed has a little bit of DNA from the emperor himself and also from the Primarch who they get this from, who is the son. So basically, they literally become mini demigods as a direct result of this. You then have the limit's ear, which is implanted within the inner ear that can filter out and enhance specific sounds and provide superior sense of balance. So basically, it's kind of, they would be able to hear you from about 200 meters away if you're whispering to someone, they know exactly what you said which kind of sucks if you're hiding in a bunker and they're coming towards you. Mm-hmm. You also have multi-lung. A space marine can close off their normal lungs in favor of bioengineered multi-lung that can handle uh, poison, breathe poisonous atmospheres or even water. So yes, these things can literally breathe water. So yeah, you're not safe down there either. You also have a secondary <laughs> heart, so they're time molds. So this boosts blood supply and can maintain full life functions even after a pretty heart destruction. You have the catalepsian node, which implants controls uh, circadian rhythms in response to sleep deprivation. Like a space, we stay awake at full effect of the days at a time. The record, I think, was a crimson fist warrior who was awake for 30 months straight. We also have the... Um, so I've only, I've only reached the end of this list. There, there's a ton of stuff that go into this. You have the Catholic, uh, we have the uh, the preomnal. This pre-stomach allows digestive, otherwise poisonous and inedible material. So they can literally eat wood or metal if they so desire to stay alive. You have the omophagia, which is uh, absorbs genetic material for space reads meal, granting him part of a person creature's memory by eating his flesh. So basically, if they want to find out something about the enemy they just killed or where they are, they will proceed to eat some of the brain to find out what is going on. We also have the mucronoid, which is a skin implant that secretes a waxy substance that seals and protects against extreme temperatures and even a vacuum. So if they're butt naked, 
they could actually protect themselves by pretty much having this go over them for a very, very short space of time. We also have uh, the interface, the black carapace. This stiff subcutaneous membrane links the space between the nervous system to the neural nodes of its power arm. So basically, it's kind of like a great big uh, black that goes over the chest. And at this point, it literally connects you to your armor. So you can then react much better to the power armor that you're given. You also have the larimate organ, which uh, produces special blood cells from forming an instant layer of scar tissue over a wound, staunching blood flow. So if you were to, say, lose an arm, which tends to happen in 40K quite often, um, it will proceed to crust up and seal itself very, very quickly. So you won't bleed out in five minutes. You'll pretty much, it will clot up in about a minute and you're fine. You can continue the fight, even though you're kind of missing an arm. You also have the osmodula, which is the part that affects bone growth, resulting in a denser skeleton and fused rib cage to protect internal organs. So you don't have ribs, you kind of have a great big web over your chest. You also have the uh, hemostemin, which is an implant that alters the makeup of space between blood, making it more efficient than that of an ordinary human. So filled with oxygen and tons of other stuff, so it can survive all kinds of poisons or illnesses because, you know, you just don't get ill. You also have the melanchrome, which is the skin shield. This uh, organ releases photochromatic skin pigments that protects against radiation. Or if you're specific on a chapter of space is called the salamanders, because of the radiation of their planet, your skin turns completely cold black and you have red glowing eyes. You look utterly evil. Funny thing is, they're actually the most they are the most human of space means They actually will look after the civilian populations of the Imperium as opposed to going, oh, they're collateral. The Emperor knows his own. It doesn't matter if you die. We are here to de destroy this enemy. It doesn't matter about you. And then last but not least, you have the elytic kidney. This detoxification organ allows the space to survive powerful poison and gas attacks. So they could literally drink the poison of a death adder and just continue to go along merrily asking if they can have some more, please, sir. So these are the parts that go into making a space marine. You were given these implants over a period of about two, three years from the age of eight to 12. Meanwhile, throughout this time, you were trying to become the hardest bat that is ever to walk this earth. You are the emperor's chosen. You are the ultimate force. You are the blade that strikes into a force. As opposed to normal humans who are basically the sledgehammer against an army, you're the dagger that slips in and just cuts out the biggest threats that is present. You are given the most advanced armor uh, in existence of its time, and you're given a great big nuclear reactor strapped to your back to power it. You're also given weapons, which includes the bolt gun, which is your basic bread and butter of a space marine. This specific weapon is about is bigger than a 50 caliber machine gun in terms of its bore size. So imagine um, your average mug of coffee. The radius of the rim of a mug of coffee is about the size of an average bolt round, where basically, as opposed to a bullet, which will just go inside you and stay there, a bolt round once it realizes it's embedded into something, it will proceed to explode. So you're basically being fired up by giant grenade launchers constantly by the by the space marines. And that's the smallest glorious hailstorm of, of blood and death. Pretty much. I mean, and that's the smallest uh, yeah. weapon. You also have heavy bolters, which are basically imagine one of five shells being fired at you, doing the same thing. You also have 
plasma weaponry, which is imagine firing an angry sun at your face, which is liable to explode and kill the user if you, in the game, roll a one, which I do very often. <laughs> very, very often. I am infamous amongst the gaming circles that I play in for constantly rolling ones. I mean, thus far in the new edition of the rules, nobody has killed any of my plasma weapons thus far. They've all killed themselves before they could do so. I am not kidding. This has actually happened. (laughs) (laughs) And at this moment, you have to wonder, was it worth that investment? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Everything that they do, they are the best things in sliced bread. (laughs) You also have melter guns. Now, to describe a melter gun is basically, it's a close-range shotgun of death ray. It was basically, it's designed to break bunkers and armor. Uh, And basically, you walk up to something, you fire it, it doesn't really make so much of a noise as it just turns everything into molten slag. Hmm. You don't want to be in front of a melter, or it's bigger because of the multi-melter, which has a bit of a longer range. It's just, no, you just, no, 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 and a side of no. (laughs) And that is the the general um, weapon you have. You also have one other thing, which is the LAS cannon, which is basically, imagine a giant laser cannon that goes free, and it will basically fire a giant beam of light that will penetrate practically anything and make it explode. Mm. If you're lucky, and you're given a... Yeah, as Dolan says, melter guns are microwave guns. It is basically, you strapped a microwave onto a barrel, and you just destroyed everything in front of you. (laughs) We also have close combat weapons. Now, this spreads across most of the Imperium as well for most weapons. So this is also used by the Imperial Guard, also as the Astra Militarum, or their uh, bigger, their better cousins, the Scion Tempestus, the Sister Battle, uh, which are the um, the Lady... Uh, basically, imagine angry warrior nuns who have a penchant for, uh, for punishment and fire. And then we also have some of the other factions, which I'll get to later, which is the Inquisition and their subsequent forces. So... Close combat weapons. Who here likes chainsaws? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you like a chainsaw that is a sword at the same time? Oh, I've always loved the chainsword. <laughs> always. Yeah, so that's basically want, that's the basic cow. weapon. So yeah, that is the basic weapon of, of a space Um You could also have chain axes or chain uh, pole arms, but that's usually reserved for those filthy heretics who turned evil and became blood-crazed nutjobs, also known as the world eaters. You also have some other weapons. You have your standard combat knives, which are about as tall as a small child. And you also have power weapons. Now, power weapons are basically a weapon that has a specific charge, which can break down something at a monomolecular level. So instead of it cutting through just an item, it will cut through the bonds of... Um, an atom, so it can actually get through it, and it will just slice everything. I proceed to cauterize the wound at the same time, which is kind of nice. And there are so many varieties. You can have uh, power swords, power axes, power mauls, thunder hammers, which are basically, uh, imagine the gravity arm from Halo, and you're pretty much getting there. Mm-hmm. Or you have the power fist. They used to be called power gloves, but then Nintendo came along with that, and they had to change the name. Which basically... <laughs> You can have this thing has the power of you can pick up a daisy and won't do anything, or you can proceed to use it to 
punch something and turn it into red mist, or pretty much gouge it into a tank or a wall and tear it to pieces. If you want to add extra uh, cutty slashy power, you can add a chain sword onto it and call it a chain fist, just for extra power. So that's basically most of the weaponry that these spaceries have. To sum up the size of these things, you know these Spartans from Halo, they're typically about seven feet, seven to seven and a half feet. A space marine is typically nine feet. And a Primarch, with their bigger, their forefathers, were about 11 to 12. So they're huge, they're, they're pretty big. It's a kind of a problem when they want to when they want to assault things. They kind of they can't fit through doors, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> so yes. naturally, I think they've designed it with a lot of the Imperium, where they've designed it specifically so space who can actually fit through things. Or to be honest, if they can't fit through the door, they'll just make a new one because they're space who do what they like. <laughs> and that makes me happy, actually. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Ultimate also, power um, in living space. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Oh, we just made that reference. That's yeah, wonderful. Right. Yeah. Sorry, that's like the the first thing that came to mind was. Yes. So, so hang on, let me straight. Yes. You just referenced the genie who is magic and <laughs> is evil. Heretic. <laughs> Mission accomplished. The Inquisition will be with you shortly. Speaking of which, let's talk about the Inquisition. So at the nobody expects them. <laughs> oh no no no! You always. <laughs> I'm gonna say in this universe, you always expect the Inquisition. So, uh, at the end of the Horus Heresy, um, the Emperor's right hand man, called Malkador the Sigilite, who is the second most powerful psyker, or believed to be the most, second most powerful psyker at the time, um, became decides to found something called the Inquisition, and the Grey Knights, which are basically uh, space marines who are psychic and can also uh, take on demons. So the Inquisition is basically founded upon the single purpose of rooting out the problems within the Imperium itself. So you have a couple of different orders within it. You have the Ordos Malleus, which is designed to get rid of anything related to chaos and heresy and that kind of stuff, you know, any kind of threat like that. Because basically, if you are psychic in this universe, you are instantly tapped into um, the warp. Everyone's tapped into the warp to a great extent. But basically, in the warp, if you're normal, you have done enough psychic abilities, you're kind of like a little candlelight in this universe. So usually demons don't want to focus on you because their sole purpose is they want to get into the real world and proceed to just cause complete and utter havoc and just stay there for as long, so long as they like until they're banished and destroyed. If you are a psychic entity and the more powerful you are, you become a great big neon flashing sign with an arrow pointing towards you saying, hey, come possess me here, possess me here, look, I am a bridge into the real world, come take me over. So if you discover to have psychic capabilities, the order manager will arrive and either take you onto their black ships to determine how powerful you are or if you're in use, or they'll just sacrifice you to the emperor as one of those 1,000 souls who are sacrificed every single day to power his golden throne and the astronomicon, or possibly sacrifice you to imbue specific armors that can be blessed, therefore will be safe against demon armors, or they will decide they will just kill you outright, or they could decide that they will turn you into a servant who is basically like a robot slave, or they could decide 
actually, you're cool. We're going to use you and turn you into one of our warriors uh, after we kind of destroy any notion that you have of free will. <laughs> Secondly, we have the uh, Order Xenos. Now, these guys are the ones who focus on the alien threats. And they will look out for any intelligence on alien threats and will act upon them. They have their own space marine uh, known as the Death Watch. The Death Watch are kind of like the SEAL Team 6 SAS of the spaces who themselves are the SEAL Team 6 SAS already, where they are designed to hunt specific um, alien threats that really need to be dealt with. And they're given the best equipment, the, uh, the best armor, and they are sent into the ultimate dis- just destroy everything zones. So with the Inquisition as well, if you are deemed to have sinned in any capacity, this could be in many formats. If you so much as look at anything related to chaos and and the Horus heresy, if you know anything about that, if you proceed to break away from anything relating to the imperial teachings of the imperial creed or anything laid down in stone, because everything is the way it is, if you try to deviate from this way, you are evil, you are a heretic, and thus you will be executed. So free will? What's that? You invented the word free will? Bye-bye, you're done. Off you go, heretic, you're going to be executed as a result. So kind of imagine the Spanish Inquisition just taking over the world and dialed up to beyond 11 to about 54. (laughs) So how are we feeling at this moment? Are we still enjoying this universe? (laughs) Well, that depends on your definition of enjoyment. (laughs) Do you mean pain and suffering? Do you enjoy being uh, told what to do at constant points to the point that it makes 1984 look like a dream world of happiness and joy and uh, sunshine and rainbows? <laughs> if, so, <that's> <laughs> if so, then I have the, the vacation package just for you. You have to yes, be a little, little bit of a masochist for this game, it seems. Mm. Yes, very much so. At least Both if you wish to... Otherwise, I will continue mm. to make that joke, yes. What mm-hmm. type of drug was on when they made this? Pens, it was the 80s. Yeah. You know, at, yeah. at that time, you know, certain things were popular around that time, and also you had the whole thing of... The, the miniatures that time usually made of lead. So there was that. Also, the paint was uh, full of lead, and also you had CFCs in the sprays, plus you had the whole thing of uh, certain entities being in power at the time and the risk of a cold and nuclear war. So they had... Um, a lot of sources for this inspiration. Hmm. That's one way to put it. So, let us well, that, so, well, that and real quick, uh, Priestley, who is the creator, also, you know, he he intended this to be an ironic world. Like he yes, always intended, uh, he intended 40k to be ironic, and it was meant to be kind of pointing, or well, it was kind of like the. The, uh, an RPG's version of poking holes in the the ideas of religious beliefs and principles, which pretty much which, yeah. So pre- Priestley, I mean, there was there was that, but I mean, like the quote that I, I put, I have this quote from him from one of the interviews. I just I just think it's really funny. He's like the fact that the Space Marines were lauded as heroes always amused me because they're brutal, but they're also completely self deceiving. 
The whole idea of the emperor is that you don't know whether he's alive or dead. The whole imperium might be running on superstition. There's no guarantee that the emperor is anything other than a corpse with a residual residual mental ability to direct spacecraft. Heresy! Heresy! Filthy <laughs> <laughs> heretic. So, yeah, that's heretic. Me. I always knew you were a heretic, Blue. I always I know. knew. I know. <laughs> you cannot hide yeah. from now. I mean, you lost yeah, me. He, at, you, you lost me when you when you decried free will. But <laughs> yeah. the the Imperium of Man is yeah, it's basically his whole thing. Where when they were writing this, it was just going. I mean, in fact, they actually reference certain um, pop culture characters. In right. the old days, which I've actually brought back uh, from this as well. So on a slight tangent, there's Sly Marbo. Sly Marbo is a um, imperial guardsman from the jungle death world of Catacan, who these guys are the ultimate jungle warriors, where basically eh, you have the risk of dying from anything out there. You know, there's man-eating plants, man-eating insects. There's the Catacan toad, which is basically um, this toad, is so poisonous that if you try to touch it, just touching it will kill you. It also tends to explode if you go near it, and also has a blast radius of about a mile, something like that. And uh, yeah, it just no. So, and Sly Marbo is basically Rambo. Yep, he literally the, looks the like one that. Man and army. brought him back a few weeks ago. And literally, even the miniature looks like Rambo. The new <laughs> miniature that came out last week about. Actually, about a month or two ago. Also, on the other side, we have um, in the Orcs, the big, big bad at the current point of the 40k universe is Gazkul Mag Uruk Thraka. Now, Gazkul Mag Uruk Thraka, specifically Mag Uruk Thraka, is based on a certain prime minister of certain eminence in the UK at the time that uh, they were in power when in 1987, because 1987 was a bit, of a, ter- bit of a rubbish time to be in when we had our elections. So basically this great um, orc warlord wants to just destroy everything in his path to prove to Gork and Mork that he is the ultimate of everything. He is he is the prophet of the war, which is basically the belief in the war is we scream war and we go to kill him. So, Margaret Thracker is Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> I wish I was making this up, but no, apparently she, uh, Margaret Thracker, Gazkul, is Margaret Thatcher. So, I have yet to see a minute someone kitbash uh, him wearing a blue dress and carrying a handbag, but I imagine it has been done at some point. Well, I guess we know what somebody can invest in now. Somebody so, get on anyone, for anyone listening into this and wants to make this, please send it on the Bolter Chainsaw to Brother Cambrius, which is my handle there. A very nice please. So yeah, so, so back to the uh, the Inquisition. The Inquisition are uh, everywhere. They own the, the Moon Titan, which is kind of like their big stronghold. And their sole purpose is basically to hide everything. Mention of the Horus Heresy doesn't exist. Mention of the warp and chaos doesn't exist. Mention of alien doesn't exist. Is it? Nope, doesn't exist. Nope, n- none of this exists. You think it exists? Nope, off you go. Bye, bye, bye. Barrys, what a way to. And from that, you then have the factions within it. The Grey Knights are basically 
the one's designed to kill demons. So whenever a chaotic incursion happens due to they've tapped into a psyker who has um, played around with the wall too much or has been discovered, and a whole mess of demons arrive and they're just taking over the entire world and turning it into a just a demonic hell. They will drop in and banish these demons through methods of uh, psychic capabilities and blessings and other stuff and sacrifices. In fact, they are notice the grey knights not just because the armor is silvery grey, but also because they have no qualm at all in killing any collateral to ensure they get their aims, regardless if you're allies or if you're uh, just happen to be there at the wrong time. These guys have some of the most advanced weaponry as a result, known as Nemesis Force Weapons, because a Force Weapon is basically attuned to their psychic capabilities and will just use them to destroy everything. You also have, the uh, from the uh, Inquisition, the Sisters of Battle. Now, the Sisters of Battle uh, were formed during a specific tumultuous period in the Imperium, known as the, uh, if I get my words right here, the Age of Apostasy where a mad priest uh, known as Goj Vandai took over the Imperium and placed his even more crazy, brutal will upon the Imperium of Man. He also had um, a vast army of um, to protect him as a result, so this is how he could do it. Eventually, a great war with, uh, with the Space Marines and other forces went to dethrone him, and his last lines were, I cannot die, can't you see I'm busy? <laughs> after he was proceeded to be executed. Now, as a direct result of this, it was decreed that the Ekrazaki, the, uh, the uh, religious wing of the Imperium, would never allow, uh, be allowed to take up men at arms to protect them. The thing is, they never said anything about women. Therefore, as a result, his, what were then known as the Brides of the Emperor, became known out of shame to become their um, their militant wing. And as described earlier, a picture angry nuns who have a penchant for fire and faith. It is their ultimate thing where these are basically typically orphan girls who are raised from a young age to love the emperor, love the religion, love the imperium, and hate anything that goes against it. And they will just arrive and burn everything. And they live on faith. So much so that uh, they can tap into this faith and use it as psychic capabilities. And to die in the name of the Emperor in the most horrible ways imaginable against the Great Force is the ultimate way to die. You know, to die of old age is an insult. You're not allowed to die of old age. You must die on the battlefield. And we've been praying and hoping for plastic systems of battle for a, at least a decade, if not more now, uh, for, the, for uh, them to make it. Now, apparently... There are rumors that this is actually going to happen, which has been one of the longest running jokes in the in the 40k fandom, that we will one day see Plastic Sisters. So much so the Indian Games Workshop make a joke about this. When they brought back another faction called the Squats last week, they decided to have a joke about how Plastic's Battle, whenever someone asks it, they reset the clock, and we will never see them again. <laughs> then, atop this, you also have the, the Nutjaws, which are the... Uh, the Crusaders. Now, these are humans who are nuts for the Emperor. They will make pilgrimages to Terra, and typically they'll never get there in time, because the Imperium is a vast bureaucratic 
nonsense. It it doesn't. It's not so much as red tape as a planet that has been so surrounded by red tape that all you see is red. There is no other color. And to sum up how bad this is, once upon a time, a a planet was under attack by the orcs. They request a force of uh, Imperial Guard and Space Reeds to save them from this fate. Help arrives 20 years later. Because by the time it arrived to Terra and the High Lords and it went through the huge system of the Adeptus Ministorum, um, yeah, uh, by that point the planet had already been overrun and was already destroyed because it took them 20 years to actually realise, oh, they actually... We've received this letter in uh, 1987 saying, please help us. Let's go send some out in 2018 to see if we can help. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. Yeah, um, the Imperium is kind of broken. Very broken. I mean, it kind of happens when you have something that spans the galaxy and is controlled by a singular point, which is Terra. It doesn't really work. No. So, you gotta say you start to have a lot of holes at that point. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, it's 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 kind of a problem. Yeah, a big problem, <laughs> a very big problem. It's actually what that's the whole grim dark, the whole thing where you will not be missed because, yeah, right. So that's fair. So onto the biggest militant wing. Uh, the biggest villain's wing of the Imperium is the uh, the Imperial Guard, also known now uh, by another name as the... I'm going to get this wrong now because it's uh, likely the Astro Militarum. So basically, the average lifespan of an Imperial Guardsman is 12 seconds. <laughs> you, will con- you will commit your soul to the Emperor and die. That is the greatest thing you could ever do. And also, Gaunt is the best in the end because Gaunt's ghosts, if ever someone wants to get into 40k... The Dan Abnett Gaunt's Ghost series of novels is one of the best ones to go into because it is fantastic for setting things up. And basically, you were given a... You were basically pressed into this thing, pay your dues, and you're trained to take it on, and you're just sent somewhere to die. If you're lucky to survive the first combat and whatever, you can then continue on to... Uh, you can then continue on to maybe another fight and continue and continue to... If some, by somehow you survive to 25 years, you can then retire. It's very rare you reach that point. Very, very rare. Mm-hmm. And you are typically armored with the following. You are given a helmet, some flak armor, uh, some other some backpacks and boots, and also a las rifle. Now, basically, a las rifle is a laser weapon, which is rubbish. It is useless with just the one. A lot of them can do some stuff, but typically, if you come against a space marine, las guns will just bounce off their armor. It will do nothing. And as Tillman says, it's a flashlight. Because um, the long-running joke in 40k is, what do you call a, um, a las gun that has a laser sight on it? Twin-linked. It's basically two of them put together, because there's no difference between one or the other. And the space marines as described are the dagger that strikes into the heart of the enemy. The Imperial Guard is the sledgehammer. They, for as much as they have in bodies and soldiers... They also have tanks, and tanks, and tanks, and tanks, and super heavy tanks. 
to well, at least they differentiated and, and got the, <laughs> the the overall bearing of what they need there. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, so picture the M1 Abrams. Uh-huh. Now, the M1 Abrams is about half the size of your average tank because they have something called the Levin Russ. Now, the Levin Russ looks like it's walked out of the First World War. It's got side sponsons. It's got a great big turret on the top, and it's poorly designed. I think if you and if you try to redesign this tank to become effective as it is in this modern day and age, you'd be branded a heretic by not just the Imperium but also the Adeptus Mechanicus, and you proceed to be executed as a direct result. As I said, you are not allowed to have free think. Now that's the Levin Russ. We then also have bigger tanks, or super heavies, specifically the Bane Blade. The Baneblade, the tracks, uh, it's about the size of a house. And imagine, um, for those of you in, who know their Second World War uh, knowledge, you know the um, great big guns the Germans had in Stalingrad with Thor and it was one other one, which were just on railway tracks. And these things yeah. were huge. They were the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. That's the turret. Oh, God. <laughs> And there's a couple of builds from this as well. You have, yeah, it's it's a Walmart. Well done, yeah, pretty much. No, thank you. No, no, thank so, you. And that's not the biggest weaponry the Imperium has at their disposal. I mean, um, Penn's just uh, posted a picture, actually, of the Bayblade. If you want to have a look at it, it's in the chat. <laughs> you won't regret it. It is just, they're huge. Because uh, just the, if you look at the picture, actually, just the left, that's an Imperial Gus, but that's a human, just the left. <laughs> I don't think they have enough they're guns big. on there. No. Oh no, 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 no! Absolutely, they don't. They do not have enough guns. In fact, we need more guns. Because <laughs> then I mean, you have some which have um, basically the same chassis, but an even bigger gun on it, which is called the Shadow Sword. Now, the Shadow Sword is basically a giant laser weapon designed to take down titans. The <laughs> so sort of a titan is, um, uh, you know, Gundams. Mm-hmm. So you got that wing, or uh, your um, your Jaegers from Pacific Rim, right? Now those are the size of a warlord, no, of uh, sorry, a Warhound Titan, which is the smallest form of Titan. You have one that's a bit smaller than Imperial Knight, which is probably about the size of uh, about, about the size of a three-story building. Next, you have the Warhound Titan. Now these are owned by the Adeptus Mechanicus. And that's about the average size of a uh, six-story building, which uh, these guys are armed with giant plasma guns and giant macro um, Gatling guns, which are about the the, the bore size of, of one of these barrels is about the size of a house. Then we go up a level and we have the um, the Reaver Titan. The Reaver Titan's a bit taller, about. Um, I'd say about 15 stories, and they have even bigger weapons. Then we go up again, and we have the Warlord Titan. Now, the Warlord Titan is about, uh, you know the launch gantry they use for launching space shuttles and Saturn V rockets? Yeah. About that big. Ooh. With weapons about that big. About the, they, they actually have some, they have some cannon arms which are about the same size as Saturn V on the side of the arm. Next, we then have the 
the Imperator class Titan. So to sum up this Imperator class Titan, picture a city. Picture a city that is angry at you and hates all that you stand for. <laughs> picture a city that has armies within its legs, like full-blown battalions in its legs that can deploy as it walks. Picture this uh, this city being the size of about about the t- I'd say it's about the size of the Empire State Building. Hmm. Now, also picture this thing having weapons that could destroy New York, Washington D.C. all in one go, with just one salvo from his weaponry. Now, picture this thing walks. Welcome to the Imperator Titan. It is a hive city on legs. It will destroy everything you see. I mean, it, it, it will just, just, it's just, yeah, huge. And the, the, the reason is, you think, why? Why do they make these things this big? That's because they deal with enemies in the Portuguese universe that are this big. Mm-hmm. Not just for the Imperium, but the, the orcs have their gargants and their uh, similar one, and their uh, killer can, not the bigger version of the killer cans. Right. And then you also have uh, the even the Eldar have their titans, which are the same size and kind of like graceful and, and more active. And you have demons from the warp, which are this big. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of guns in this universe. A lot of guns. Because if a planet was to disappear from 40k, people wouldn't notice. They Literally, solar systems could disappear and they wouldn't really notice. So, Dola suggesting as well, maybe talk about what a hive city is. So, a hive city is a super city. So, imagine New York with the population density of Delhi and Sao Paulo, with the fabulous cities of Sao Paulo, which are approximately across the size of the entire US, literally the country, from coast to coast. That is the average size of a high city. And, yeah. <clears throat> They're big. They're very big. With populations of a couple of, you know, a couple of billion all crammed into one place. And that's basically, they are huge. They are designed for that one purpose. I mean, your average, you have some small ones which are about the size of um, maybe New York combined with all that, all the states to the north, to that western coast. But yeah, they're huge. That's just the average thing. And then you have high worlds, which are basically the entire planet is like that. Just there is no greenery. Green doesn't exist. People don't know the colour green. They've never heard of the concept of green. Everything oh, wow. is grey. Imagine an infinite world of grey with the gold for the Imperium Aquilas, and that's it. So with all that, Moving on through humanity, we let's talk about the thing I've mentioned a few times, the Chaos Realms. Chaos has always been around since the very beginning. Uh, it has always existed in the universe in, uh, as an, kind of like an a, a, uh, a alternate dimension to the galaxy itself. Where, as mentioned, every emotion you make, if you're attuned to the warp, will form a demon or eventually, if there's enough of it, a god. In Chaos, there are four gods, or the four big gods within this universe. You have Korn, who is one of the oldest, which is the god of war and bloodshed, spelled K-H-O-R-N-E. He's also sponsored by Kellogg's because he makes cornflakes, <laughs> which are lie on 
like, that makes me happy so much. <laughs> it's Next great. Yeah, well, yeah, from Tony the Tiger. Mm, it's great. And just proceed to just go to blood psychosis. <laughs> and Colin demands one thing from you. He demands skulls. Because for those of you who have ever heard blood for the blood god skulls from the skull throne, that is the mantra chant for all followers of Corn. He literally sits atop a, thro- a bronze, a brass throne of skulls. And it matters not from whence the blood flows, only that it flows. It doesn't matter if, if his own followers kill themselves. So long as he's given his pay of blood, he's happy. The second oldest chaos god is Siege. It's spelled T apostrophe Z E N T C H. He is the Barack Obama of this uh, of this universe because he is the god of change. <laughs> every lie, every change, anything that switches, he is the god for it. He is the ultimate schemer. He is the ultimate one who sees everything. Never play chess with Siege. It just won't never work. Nope. Next, we have um, we have Nurgle. Nurgle is a bit of a weirdity. He is the god of pestilence, disease, suffering, that kind of stuff. Every time you have a cold, you formed a little a little nurgling in that in his realm. And <laughs> yes. literally, quite literally. And if you um, and if you have a horrible disease where you've lived in suffering for about 30 years, um, in this universe, in his garden of Nurgle, a tree forms. And from your pain and suffering, a Nurgle demon is made out of it. The more horrible your disease is and the suffering you have, the more powerful the demon is. And he's kind of, he's known usually as Grandfather Nurgle or Papa Nurgle because he's actually a very caring god. He blesses you. He gives you gifts of contagion and horribleness and your guts spilling out and bloatedness because he cares for <laughs> you and he wants you to spread it across the world. I mean, it's very nice. He'll take you into his embrace and he'll look after you and say, it's okay, Grandfather Nurgle is here. Here, have some free Ebola. <laughs> and he will ensure that you survive it and live with it. In horrible suffering, but you're happy about it in your Richter's grin. And finally, Thanks, we have... Nurgle. <laughs> so next time you have an illness, just, bl- just say, praise be to Nurgle. Oh, all right. So praise be to Nurgle for this cold. <laughs> Thank you so much for the lingering torment that you have granted me over the past two weeks. <laughs> At least I know who to blame from now on. Yeah, you're gonna put yeah, when I when in doubt, put down on your work absentee form, uh currently ill due to Nurgle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Plague doctors are plenty, and that won't even save you. Ooh. Oh no, no, no! Once, once you're given the worst of all, the nervous rot, you're done. <laughs> no, you're done. You'll basically turn into a zombie <laughs> and turn into a nurgling eventually. Just no. Last but least, oh, we man. have the fourth chaos god. This is the youngest chaos god, which was actually formed by the elder, uh, as mentioned earlier. The elder reached the peaks of their absolute horribleness of finding pleasure and pain just completely off the far end of the spectrum where just to consider that you find pleasure from sticking uh, from sticking 
I, I don't even know. I don't even want to go actually that far because we might end up turning this into an, 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 R, an NR rated. You know, I would have the CIA and the NSA arriving at my doors, especially <laughs> just... my motives, if I was described what these, the LDAC got up to in this point. And as a direct result of this, such was the psychic um, formation of this, they actually formed the fourth chaos god called Slanesh, who is the god of pleasure. And just the height of any emotion. So pain, basically, pain is pleasure. Pleasure is pain. You will you will find all you will find happiness and source of it from all kinds of stuff. Whether it's sticking needles under your toenails, I can think, oh, that's just mild. That's normal. And as a result of this, they formed the Great Eye of Terror, which is to the uh, galactic northwest of the galaxy, and basically is the opening into the the warp. And Slanesh will basically just find pleasure through pain at all sorts and will just... It's just... Ugh. It <laughs> I think that's a good summary. Uh, it's just... Uh, uh, where do I start? Also, uh, Slanesh is the one that has demonettes. So demonettes are basically... Picture your, your harpies kind of thing where they look beautiful and... You know, beautiful and alluring will drill you towards, and then proceed to eat you alive and destroy you and take your soul. <laughs> because basically, they would just they would take away me. They, apparently, um, they can seduce you with their clawed hands because they look wonderful and sexy, and then proceed to suddenly emerge into this horrible notion, kind of like um, a siren from Indiana Jones. Yeah, a siren. It's yeah. Indiana Jones and the the, the Lost Ark. Where the bit where you have all the ghosts come out and it's like, yeah, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and then you melt. That's basically what happens. Nope. So, from Chaos, as mentioned, we have the Horus Heresy, where uh, I discussed earlier where the Imperium was just destroyed in the year 30,000, where life is strange, but they live underwater, and your great, great, great granddaughter is pretty fine. Actually, no, sorry, wrong song. Um, at this point, you will have. The Imperium is split in two, and a number of legions have now split off from this point uh, and have descended into the warp and have now become the source of all things heretical. And quite a few of them have now uh, pledged themselves to specific uh, chaos gods. So if I just bring up the list of these ones, so find out who they are from my book. Oh, there are so many pages, it's always fun trying to find them. <laughs> See, when you have uh, when you have so many books to go through, you always pick up the wrong one. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I know that feeling so well. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, let's see. Yeah, to so these were the legions of the <laughs> the Toland says again, Lorgas sucks. So <laughs> Basically, we had 20 legions. The 2nd and 11th legions, nobody knows what happened. All records of them have been expunged. There is nothing. Nobody knows at all. And so, as these legions, we had the 1st legion, also known as the Dark Angels. Now, half of their number turned to, turned to chaos, but there nobody is to know. If you know about this, the Dark Angel will come along and kill you. If you have any knowledge about a fallen angel, who is a chaos angel, they will proceed to take that person and basically 
force her to confess their sins, or torture you until you confess. Then you have the third legion, the Empress Children. The Empress Children sought to reach perfection at all levels with their Primarch Fulgrim, who is basically their charge, and he was the most beautiful creature of all. And eventually they descended into absolute debauchery and became the followers of Slanesh, where basically they took bright colours and eventually developed Noise Marines. Noise Marines are basically... Uh, they managed to turn sound into weaponry. In fact, so much so, they actually have rocking guitars as guns. Yay! It just makes me think of... Bru- <laughs> what was, what's the video game? Brutal Legends? Yes. They probably got it from that, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically... Yeah, no, base, they will... They, bear, they don't even look human at this point. They literally stick... Uh, they uh, completely adjust their bodies to suit the sources of pleasure, which it could be like turning, they're putting vox casters into their mouths. Just, it just gets weirder and weirder. Next, we have the fourth legion, the Iron Warriors, who basically, these poor were the, the, siege, the siege masters. These are the ones who did all the horrible jobs for the Imperium during the Horus Heresy. They did all the thankless tasks, but often the most underestimated. And they are also the ones that, uh, pretty much the ones that would be the constant pessimists of the universe. Eventually, they also fell to chaos as well, due to their their uh, gene father, uh, Perturabo, proceeds to destroy his own planet, thought, actually, no, I'm never going to be accepting the Emperor again, so I'm going to join chaos. And eventually, they just become the ultimate seizure masters and had a thing for demon machines, because there's a big thing in chaos where you can take machines and pretty much put demons inside them. And they're trapped in there, and they're very angry about it. They will just attack anything they see that they consider as food or just destroy everything. Next, we have the Fifth Legion, who are the White Scars, who stay loyal, uh, who are basically, imagine uh, the the Mongolians and uh, Genghis Khan on bikes and also big rhino APCs and everything, just as lightning strike attackers. Next, we have the Sixth Legion, the Space Wolves also known as the furries. These guys uh, basically are literal walking, talking, superhuman werewolves. You would think they would turn to chaos with this. They didn't. They actually stayed loyal somehow, and they've now become just um, loyal space Vikings. And also a good point from Dolan, Vox is basically speakers and comms, so basically uh, giant speakers. Next, we have the Imperial Fists, the Seventh Legion, mustard yellow boys who are a nightmare to paint because they're flipping yellow. Ugh, I'm trying to paint these guys are awful. And I've been trying to paint, I did try and paint one once and I thought never again, so I decided to paint <laughs> never again. <laughs> now these guys were the opposite to the Iron Warriors. They, they had a big rivalry because they were the ones that would build fortifications. And they say, oh, they were the most loyal of all. In fact, they were the ones who turned terror into the great big fortress for the Horus Heresy to ensure that they actually um, would survive the attack from Horus and his legions to go in and force on. Next, we have the Night Lords. Now, the Night Lords have their father, um, put, uh, make sure I get this right, uh, Conrad Kurz, who is basically Batman if Batman was evil, more evil and slightly more evil. They live on a world of perpetual night, and all of them are murderers and rapists and just 
every horrible, this terrifying thing under the sun. Imagine what would happen if Batman was mixed with Scarecrow and you're kind of on the same level as the Night Lords. Naturally, they turned to chaos. And they then became the lightning strike raiders of horribleness that uh, would just live for just fear. Just everything is fear. And just, yeah, they even have bat wings on their helmets because reasons. Next, we have the Blood Angels. Now, the Blood Angels, they have a bit of a tragic backstory. Their, uh, their gene father was a literal angel, Sanguinius. He literally had wings out of his back, and he just looked amazing, beautiful. And these guys were, imagine the, Rena the Renaissance, who then became, um, they would just do artisan their own stuff. They would make their own armor look beautiful. They wore death masks. Everything was just beautiful for them. And Sanguinius was the best friend of the arch-heretic Horus. And he tried to convince him, no, what are you doing in the great big uh, siege of terror? And eventually Horus kills him. Unfortunately, as a direct result of this killing, he turned the Blood Angels into literal vampires because as a direct result of this, they were so mentally broken and psychically broken that continues 10,000 years down the line that they have a penchant for drinking blood. And also... They will, um, before a battle, some of their number will be convinced that they are Sanguinius and will see everything through the light of his final battle. And they are consumed mm -hmm. by also known as the Black Rage. And will just continue to fight, and they're taken away to fight until they die, believing they are Sanguinius, because they become even more deadly and destructive than usual. Next, we have the Iron Hands. The Iron Hands were the 10th Legion, and these guys were basically... They, the flesh is weak. To think about anything about the flesh is just a thing. They just want to turn themselves practically into cyborg robots. They are the Borg. And their, uh, their Primarch was the first to be killed in the Horus Heresy, beheaded by Fulgrim, who was his best friend on the fields of Istvan V. A bunch of uh, all the heretics decided to band together and try and uh, take out three of the big legions to ensure that they would have the capability of going to Terra without having to um, worry about a lot of the space we saying, hey, you guys are evil. And yes, uh, he, as Donald says, he literally had iron hands. This guy had liquid iron hands, did um, Ferris Manus, which actually means iron hand, because in the oh, 80s they weren't very creative with their names. <laughs> uh, next we have the 11th legion who as we said were expungeable history next we have mm. the 12th legion the 12th legion were first known as the warhounds and when the emperor came and found their gene father uh, Angron, literally angry because he's always angry all the time he proceeded to uh, take his son away from the planet he was saving, along with all the people that he'd known and loved over his lifetime, and just let him know. Now, Angra's not very happy about this. He also had a bunch of um, implants in his head that can't be removed called Butcher's Nails. These things would basically constantly put him on the edge of rage, where he would only find himself calm when he was fighting. As a direct result of this, he, he hated everything about the Emperor and these new uh, this new force of armies that he had. 
So much so, whenever they tried to approach him and talk to him, he would just kill them. And apart from one man known as uh, Khan, I'll be getting back to him shortly, uh, spelled K-H-A-R-N, who became his kind of envoy, who tried to kind of calm him. Now, eventually, at this point, all the other uh, world leaders, his sons, decided, we're going to show our loyalty. We're going to have exactly the same butcher's nails hammered into our heads. <laughs> it wasn't a wise decision. It was. Which eventually meant that uh, they all became just bloodthirsty nutjob berserkers as the same as um, Angron himself. <laughs> Naturally, they turned to chaos. And they fell into the clutches of corn because they were literally blood for the blood gold, skulls for the skull throne, wielding chain axes, beheading everything in sight, living for the power, living for blood, and just destroying everything for the glory of war and horror. Eventually, Khan becomes the biggest, uh, one of the biggest enemies of them all, so much so that he went back insane when Chaos decided to fight each other after this and just destroyed everything and betrayed his own men, became known as Khan the Betrayer, where all he says is kill, maim, burn. Kill, maim, burn. On repeat, in perpetuum, now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. And he will just destroy everything, regardless if you're ally or ally or enemy, if you bleed, the blood of yours goes to goes off to Corn himself. And they hate psychers. They despise anything psychic, Corn hates it, and so do the world eaters. If you are psychic, you're dead. Try and use psychic ability random. Good luck, because typically you will just your mind will be turned to put your mind will just turn to mince and it will bleed out of your ears. So next we have the Ultramarines. Now the Ultramarines are very much the poster boys of Warhammer 40,000. They're the guys in blue have the big U on their shoulder pads who had Raboot Gulliman, who is kind of based off imagine General Patton or uh in charge, or who's who's the other one from that time who was in charge of everything? Who was basically he was stuck in uh, the Second World War uh, in America, and then eventually went out there because he was the master of logistics. Which uh, good was? They're basically the Roman and Greek Marines. Eisenhower, that's it, oh, and yeah. and Rommel. Yeah, so Eisenhower and Rommel put together, oh, and typically right, these guys are known as the they're known as the Ultra Smurfs because they're blue. And Gunnerman is known as Papa Smurf because we're creative. <laughs> I just like All that they're Smurfs. Right. Yeah, that's what you know. They are known as the they are known as the as the Ultra Smurfs because they've had a lot of hate over the last couple of years because a certain writer at the time called um, uh, I'm trying his name now. This guy is known as our liege lord because he would just put together as the ultimate poster boys. They are the amazingness of everything. They are the best thing ever. And it's just Matthew Ward. Whenever you mention Matt Ward, our liege lord, he has now caused the Audrey's to become one of the most despised armies <laughs> in the fandom because he's just made such poster boys. They, they can do everything better. The old space marines, everyone strives to be offering because they are the ultimate of everything. I disagree. The Imperifists are always better because Dawn is the best. So I'm gonna have some very I'm gonna have some hate mail after this, aren't I? I'm, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to my Twitter feed later. But 
Um, Gulliman himself was the ultimate, the best of the best. He He's actually come back now as a result, which I'll touch on later, um, since they've advanced the plot line for 40k, where everything seems to have got even worse. I don't know how, but things have got worse. So next, we have the 14th Legion, the Death Guard. The Death Guard were controlled by Mortari. Now, these guys were the masters of endurance. These could go through everything. And eventually, the one of their few discovered the power of Nurgle. And Nurgle, as they travelled over to begin their fight in the Siege of Terror, they were caught in a massive warp storm. And they were, as a result, they were possessed and by all the demons of Nurgle, where every horrible disease imaginable took over their ship and their bodies and just caused a horrible, uncontrollable pain of a practical eternity. Mm. And eventually Mortarion, their gene father, the Primarch, said, enough of this. We pledge ourselves unto you, Nurgle. Save us from this. And Papa Nurgle, being Grandfather Nurgle, the lover of uh, everything himself, brought them into his embrace and turned them into walking zombies of absolute horrible filth, where literally they bleed out, they bleed out blood, bile, any bodily function of horribleness you can name is happening. Their bellies are just bloated out, their guts spilling out, cavorting little demons called Nurglings, dancing around them, and they became the vectors of contagion and horror and destruction uh, and just everything relating to sickness. Mm. Next, we have the 15th Legion. Now, the thousand says, now, this is probably one of the most tragic stories of the Horus Heresy. Their, uh, their gene father, Magnus the Red, literally had red skin. He was a um, literal cyclops who gave away his eye to, um, to the four chaos gods for the ability of knowledge. Now, eventually this would come back to haunt him. And he was the ultimate, one of the best psychers ever to have lived. He had a huge psychic capabilities. And all of his, um, anyone who took his gene seed from his appliance of Prospero were also amazing psychers. They were the ultimate wizard force. Unfortunately, due to the instability of his gene seed, they would constantly just devolve into these half, not so much half demons, but they would just devolve into horrible, horrible, um, almost like fusions of themselves where they just became a mess. Eventually, Magnus, hating to see this, gave, made a deal with the Chaos Gods to say, please, stop this from happening. And only 1,000 of his legions survived, unless they became known as the Thousand Sons. Eventually, uh, he was forbidden from performing psychic acts because they became dangerous. They became a method where demons could infest into them and just come into the warp. And the Emperor eventually decreed at the Edict of Nikea, all psychic capabilities in the legions are banned forthwith, never to be used again. And as a result, the Thousand Sons could not use this. And this was their greatest source of strength. Eventually, when uh, Horus and the Horus Heresy began, it meant that they would become... Uh, he tried to warn the Emperor of this risk. Now, at this time, the Emperor was busy. 
he was kind of forging up a webway, which is a method that Eldar used to get through pocket universes to transport instantly from one end of the uh, galaxy to the next. Where, typically, if you were to get from one end to the other, as I described, it would take, from one end to the one of the galaxy to the next, you look at about five years' travel through the warp, which is very dangerous and very risky. With the webway, you could pretty much go from one end to the next. Magnus wanted to warn the Emperor that the heresy was coming. In doing so, he travelled through the warp to get to the Imperial Man, his great palace on Terra, and he came across a great psychic barrier. And he's like, uh, okay, I need to break through this barrier to warn the because I desperately need to warn the this is a major risk. Eventually, he breaks down the, the barrier and talks to the Emperor to warn him. Unfortunately, in doing so, he has just opened a great big conduit to Chaos and the Warp into the basement of the Imperial Palace itself on Terra. Which is a problem. A very problem. So much so that the Emperor decrees that you are now a heretic, your legion is a heretic, and I'm sending the Space Wolves, also known as the uh, Sixth Legion, to come along and take you out. Because the uh, Space Wolves were known for being the Legion destroys. They could destroy another Legion if they were ordered to do so. And they arrived, The um, they came to Prospero, raced to the ground, the death, uh, the Thousand Suns escaped and eventually landed on the world of wizards uh, in the in the warp. And unfortunately, because they're exposed to the warp, they then started to turn back into their former selves again, where they just warped into these monsters and just beasts as a result. From this, one of uh, Magnus's greatest sons, Araman, came across a uh, spell in the Book of Magnus. Um, and he decided to use it called the rubric. The rubric was a method where he could stop all of the Thousand Suns from deforming into these creatures. So he enacts it. Unfortunately, this came at a terrible cost, where any uh, Thousand Sun warrior who was not psychically gifted would literally turn into dust in their armor and became automatons, basically golems, where they no longer exist. There is no personality anymore. They are just dust in magic armor that follow the orders of the psychers who survived. Araman was subsequently banished, and Magnus stayed on the um, on his planet of wizardry and just proceeded to become, pledge himself to the chaos god of Tzich, the gods of change, because naturally they're psychic beings. They have the capabilities of doing so. They are now just the industries have changed. They will come around and just warp everything they can to the touch. We're almost there, I promise. We're, we only got five meters to go. <laughs> I said, it's a big, big universe. It definitely is. So on to the next ones, the Lunar Wolves. Ah, the Lunar Wolves. These are the ones that were the sons of Horus. These were the ones that were the big, big enemies. Originally, they were the greatest of them all the most loyal sons of the Emperor, the most, the best sons around to go against. And Horus was the most favoured son of the of the Emperor. Hmm. Eventually, the word bearers who were the Seventeen Legion decided to warp his mind and turn him to chaos and decide, actually, you're better than the Emperor. You should be ruling the Imperium. Horus eventually, after playing stuff to chaos, goes, actually, yes, you're right, I shall. 
and eventually they become the the big force towards it and start the horse heresy. Eventually, after they fail miserably, the horse is killed. In their shame, they don the black armor and become known as the Black Legion, which is now led by Abaddon. Now, Abaddon uh, was now the big, big bad enemy in 40k, where he is now practically the war master of all of chaos. He can build all these constantly warring armies in the war because everyone hates each other. There is no happiness. There is no friendship. If you have a chance to take its own from another army, they will take it, regardless if they've been working together 20 seconds before. And he forms the Black Crusades to go out and get stuff to take over the warp and continue Chaos's idea of just taking over the galaxy itself. Then next we have the 17th Legion, the Word Bears, who, as I discussed, are the ones who formed the evils of Chaos within the, in the Space Marine Legions and formed the Horus Heresy. And they're basically the demon summaries. They are the ultimate zealots. Everything Chaos, all the time, it's all there. Next, we have the Salamanders, who I discussed, these are the good guys. If you could call them good guys in Space Marines, they are the ones who actually care about humanity, but they look like demonic monsters because of the abilities of their um, the radiation on their planet. They get black, completely cold black skin and red glowing eyes. And they love everything fire. Anything related to fire, they use. They are also master craftsmen who will build their own weapons following the Prometheus Opus, which is kind of like their and they stay loyal next we have the raven guard who basically their primal corax these are the guys who always fight from the shadows and they will constantly come out from the most unseen source and just destroy everything in their path and are still stay loyal to the imperium and corax himself his final words were never more because he literally became an Edgar Allan Poe joke. <laughs> and then, last but least, we have the 20th Legion, the Alpha Legion. We still don't know if they're loyal to the Imperium or not. Despite the fact they work for Chaos, and these are the ultimate spy masters, these are the ones who basically twist everything to the... Imagine Littlefinger has an, has an army of Littlefingers from, uh, from Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's pretty much what you have with the <laughs> with the Alpha Legion, and everyone is called Alpharis because you do not not know who the Primarch is because they're unique because the Primarchs were actually twins, Alpharis and Omegon, and nobody knows who they are because every time you see one, uh, the Alpha Legion will always introduce themselves as saying, "I am Alpharis," and it became such a joke at one point that when uh, was put into the law. It became um, known as the whole thing of I am Alpharis. And a big tournament started, and everyone's putting in their team names. And as we were queuing up, we heard over the intercom Could all players please note that the team name I am Alpharis has already been taken? <laughs> so, obviously, five minutes later, we then had another one over the comp. Could all players please note that the team name No, I am Alpharis has also been taken. And it just continues. And we had No, I am Alpharis. And we had No, No, I am Alpharis. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, for God's sake. So, with the Chaos Army, they typically have Divas as well. So, they, every emotion 
spans into this warped realm. And mm. atop that, you also have the Elder and the Dark Elder. They still lurk within pocket realms of the warp within the, the their gateways of the webway, because the webway is this vast maze within pocket universes within itself, which are only the Eldar can travel these. No one else can, because they were so advanced it was the way they can get around. And the Dark Eldar, which are the most depraved ones, who just source their pleasure by taking lesser species, such as humans, and just torturing them to their greatest contents. Imagine the... Um, uh, what are they called? The ones from Hellraiser, the... Oh, yeah, the pinheads, yeah. 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 Imagine those being the Dark Elder, but even crazier. Yep. Oh, God. Okay. That that about explains that, actually. Meet the Dark Elder and their evil elves. And these guys, with the Elder and the Dark Elder, they are trying their utmost to not die, because as soon as they die, their soul goes straight to Slar National and never exists again. To avoid this, the Elder store their souls in gemstones. And over armor, they can then have the gemstones of previous warriors all over us. They can actually tap into this and listen to the uh, past histories of these former warriors. So when you die, you get put into a crystal. And if, God God's forbid, anyone from Chaos gets these crystals, they can then crack them open and feed them to Slanesh. And thus, as a result, they can then gain power because in Chaos... All power demands sacrifice. So much so that um, you have a chance that if you do so well, you've killed multiple enemies, you are the greatest of your thing, you'll be given a boon of chaos. This could mean you have better speed, you could be given demonic wings, you'd be given horns, or the other way around, you could uh, turn into a chaos spawn. A chaos spawn is just a mindless chaos creature of just a mess of parts, and all source of yourself is lost. On the other side, your ultimate dream is becoming a demon prince. If you become a demon, you literally become immortal because demons can reside forevermore now, never shall be word about our men, our men within the warp or until you go into the Imperium. Hmm. Now, with that, it's very difficult to get there. To do this, you just sacrifice everything. So you could kill your friends, kill enemies, sacrifice blood, you know, just any form of pain and blood that gives power to the Chaos Gods is good. But they will still maybe decide, actually, nah, dude, you've done so well, but we're going to still turn you into this mindless... We want to, we want to keep you here because you're doing so well. Pretty much, yeah. The, the Chaos is that it is just Chaos, literally. It doesn't matter what will happen. Anarchy is, it doesn't matter if you're the ultimate best of best, you could be the Cristiano Ronaldo of killing things, but you will still be turned into a lump of flesh. And that's it. So, so Sounds like a great future. So, yes, welcome to Chaos. <laughs> yeah, really. So, see, because how much time of the clock have we got? We've already got two hours over and I haven't well, yeah. scrapped some of the service. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, so just real quick, I mean, yeah, we, we've, we've hit about, usually we, we hit about two hours and, um, like, what, where... So you're right. I mean, I guess you are correct. We have barely begun to scratch the surface of the yeah. world of Warhammer, um, which, I mean, again, anyone who is familiar with RPGs in general, that's not going to, I mean, this thing, again, has been around for 30 plus years. It's 
It's right. It's developed very, very in-depth stories and in-depth lore, even within its own player base, you know, the stories and stuff. Um, so, I mean, I guess the, the question for me would be, you know, if, if someone found this, this interesting or they, they want a repository of this information, I know you mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, the, I think, is it lexic, lexiconum? Lexicon? Yeah, le- le- yeah, Lexicon. Also, uh, I also linked to you WarhammerCommunity.com. The Warhammer, yeah, yeah. Which is the official Games Virtual website, which is filled with other business stuff, including um, histories. Also, they have like articles as well. So it will get you a little bit more so you can understand where everything is. Yeah, and I, I think those, I'm going to definitely include those in the show notes. Um, because I think that, I mean, right right now, um, I say we, we take we take it. And you know we'll we'll give everyone a a, a break. <laughs> um, should, we, should we do a part two on this patch? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I'm always I'm always game to kind of sit down and you know we can definitely explore definitely more more in depth. I know um, Potato and uh, Bjorn from the Discord channel are really big fans of this, and you know Beard. I know you have a bit of dabbling in it as well. Um, so I definitely, definitely would be game for, uh, scheduling something and, you know, getting, getting a second part. Maybe if people want a specific entry or specific aspect of Warhammer that they want to know more about, just message us really, to be honest. Um, I know trying to focus it a little bit more is going to be very important. I think. Well, and it's just like, I mean, it's like when we did the elder scrolls episode, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to talk for 2 hours straight and I don't think anyone's going to follow cuz you know I'll explain why I, I I don't like certain elven races. <laughs> but um no and I think the other thing is too uh if you are interested in Warhammer real quick the other one that I know is starting to kind of delve into Warhammer uh Bife has a, a a video or two but I know um Wallen Wally is uh going to yeah. be coming out with a I don't know how I don't know how in depth he's going, but I do know that he's been talking about doing some Warhammer lore stuff a little bit as well. But um, just real quick, Receptor, what what would you like final final comments or anything like that on on the on the topic of Warhammer? What would you summarize or shout outs for you for you? So, uh, so I'll just conclude Warhammer 4K in this one. So. Warhammer 40,000. There is hope in the universe. There is only war and the laughter of thirsting gods. If you would like that and want to experience the ultimate warfare with the tabletop war game or just read about warfare and great big superhumans or normal humans or aliens all fighting each other in the biggest battle of all time, that's this is the realm for you. And if you want to get a little bit more into it, as of course I mentioned, uh, go to the Games Workshop website or go to warhammercommunity.com. Uh, also, uh, go uh, have a look at the Chainsword.com where I first found the uh, universe. Great forums there with tips and tricks on building miniatures, on discussions on the universe in general, making your own stories within the universe, which is how I got into it very, very deeply. So that's probably one of the best, one, best ones to go through on that. And if you get into this um, and start spending money on it, I am in no way responsible for your empty wallets from this point on. <laughs> Uh, yeah. This disclosure has been brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Shout out to my name is Bicewell. Thank you very much as well for uh, recommending me to these guys because I've been listening to you guys for quite a long time. So it's kind of nice to actually be on a show. No, definitely. We we appreciate we appreciate because I mean, like I like I said at the beginning, you know, there's there's so much there's so many games out there with so just amazing amounts of detail. And I mean, Warhammer is one of them. Elder Scrolls, you know, D and D and D is another one, Um, you know, and it's just like, there's, there's no way to be, to be bluntly honest. There's no way that, you know, any one person or any one team even can, um, can hope to know. Yeah. To know all of them. Um, so that's where we really do appreciate when, when we talk to people, we're like, okay, we're, you know, we're for extra lore. We're looking at this. Who are we going to talk to? Cause I don't, I don't know it. Like I know, I know enough to know that I don't know it, which is a scary thing to say, but, um, <laughs> we, I really appreciate it. green. Uh, do you have any shout outs for this episode? Uh, it's just mainly to thank receptor for coming on because, Thank God there's no test. Um, (laughs) There will be a pop quiz when we do the second episode. (laughs) I'm sorry, Blue. You're just going to have to bleep me, but holy (laughs) shit. If you get any answers wrong, you'll be be summoned to the Inquisition as a heretic, and we'll have you executed somewhere. I'm okay with that. I'm just like, I just feel like I've been, had so much shoved in my head in the last two hours that I'm like, I'm, yeah, I, I I'll be back. Later. I'll be back. <laughs> no, it's been it's been great having you on, and it's been very enlightening to get it all out at once. And I know we're just scratching the surface, which is also mind blowing. So mm. thank you for coming on for us. Yes, I said thank you very much for letting me on. And if we people do want a second episode, uh, I will definitely talk about. 8th edition and the whole new universe that we live in now where everything I know is wrong and many yeah. things have changed. I was going to I was going to yeah. ask you about that cuz I was I made my note and I was like apparently 8th edition just uh threw everything out the window and was Pretty like, much, yeah, yes. we're, uh, we're going to start as over. As of last year everything has changed. Uh space rings have been updated, the galaxy is split in half, chaos is winning, everything is it's a mess. Which so is if you for for this, Warhammer is saying a lot because yeah, I mean for things to get worse. <laughs> not, take, take a moment to think about that comment. Yeah, things are getting worse with Warhammer. Yeah, oh. although there are some glimmers of hope, but as we all know, hope is but the first step on the road to disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Beard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I honestly, I think it mimics just what Green had said. Uh, Receptor, thank you so much for, you know, coming on Pipe's recommendation and, uh, you know, filling my brain with some stuff that I've kind of forgotten over the years. Cause after my, uh, after my buddy had left to go to bigger, better things out West, uh, I, I kind of forgot a good majority of this stuff. So it's been nice to, to hear it again. Uh, Big fan of the universe, though, have been for for years. It's just a matter that it gets so large and convoluted that as somebody that enjoys story, it's one of those things where I feel like if I do end up really getting into it again, I would 
completely and utterly lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're already you're already pushing pushing the limit with with Destiny and Monster Hunter. We don't need to. I'm we don't gonna need to say, completely lose you. Oh and yeah, Beard. By the way, uh, King Kingdom yeah. Hearts three. Oh, oh don't yes, no no look yes, no. Monster, Monster Inc. Monster Inc. All right. You want to talk about convoluted stories? I think that one takes the cake. Then again, it is also Japanese. The whole Pixar theory, anyone, of how uh, they're all interconnected? Oh. Please no. And and now you're tying Tron into that too from the last game? Like, please no. Oh man! Uh, just, well, all the, you've got all the movies now that are coming out as well that have to go in this. Now that they own Disney, you've got Marvel, right. Star Wars. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna say that was my uh, that that's my my joke that I had over on Twitter. I've got the uh, I've got the Deadpool two uh, intro scene completely planned out. Completely <laughs> <is laughs> completely planned out. Yeah, Deadpool is in an office with Walt. And Walt Disney looks at Deadpool and goes, nah, kid, sorry, but you're never going to be in my movies a million years. And then Deadpool just looks and goes, oh, Walt, you silly man. <laughs> Cuts to the Disney logo where it's like, and then Deadpool is like, so you're probably wondering how I was able to go back and say hi to Walt Disney. Let me tell you about my friend Cable. <laughs> and of course you have the intro to the actual to the actual movie. Oh, so there man. you go. Well I, I could only hope, but oh, I gosh, think they're yeah. done shooting, so I think I'm I think I'm a little late to my suggestion, but I'll watch. <laughs> my suggestion box or my suggestion card got <laughs> lost in the mail. <laughs> well, a big yeah. a big a big huge thank you to receptor because i mean not not gonna lie that was amazing to just listen Mm -hmm. to um you know i i definitely definitely understand to to an extent as much as i can as an outsider can understand you know like this is this is probably what it's like listening to me talk about elder scrolls and D &D to someone who doesn't really know those worlds is me listening to you guys talk about this world um which is just awesome like i I absolutely love hearing you know the the level of detail in these game worlds and that's ultimately i mean that's ultimately what we why why we do what we do um so really really truly thank you for taking time to because i know i know it's early over over there yeah it's only seven o'clock in the morning i'll make my breakfast (laughs) Yeah, see, that's early. That's early. That's that's usually like a couple hours after I go to sleep. So you know, that's. Yeah, I, I, um, I didn't know there was another. There was another five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Where has this been my whole life? What <laughs> even is this? To, to be fair, though, I've been stuck on an American body clock since 2007. Despite I've only been at, um, since 2016, like a random stops by. I've been stuck on the central time body clock since then for some random reason. So I'm usually okay with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. And then also big shout out to all the the guys over in the Discord for running the the extra lore chat because Jesus. Oh, my God. I, oh I mean, my God. the amount of information. I need to – I'm actually talking to Potato – 
about getting, I, I really kind of want to get one of those. I, I want to get a kind of a, I know it's, it's obviously out there on the internet anyways, but I'd love to get some of that information just put up on the website because the amount of information that was, that was just dumped out, uh, over the month was just, it was asked a huge amount. I know they got a lot of it on the mind map. Seriously, cannot cannot fully vow, uh, verbalize my appreciation for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I just it blows me away. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Um, and then also just you know, a quick reminder: next month's uh, conversation is going to be on Doom. There is lore on Doom. Uh, it it's kind of like Warhammer. It's very very. It's one of those more grim dark you know worlds uh so just keep in mind that um we will try yeah, as blue. All. what but blue what if i just want to rip and tear rip and tear it's not duke nukem yeah, go away just, what if i just um, want to rip and tear you can do that that's the that's the amazing thing about video games right <laughs> you can get as you can get as detailed or as little detailed as you want uh <laughs> But yeah, so a big a big thank you to everyone who has been keeping these extra lores running. It's it's truly truly humbling to see all the the passion for you know other games. I mean, that's the thing is again, mm-hmm. I know I I harp on this a lot, but there are other games other than Destiny, and this is this is kind of our our tipping of the hat to those to those. So I'm going to run the outro notes real quick. We might stick around for a little bit of an after show, um, just simply because. The head banging in chat from the Doom soundtrack. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, here we go. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of any of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Receptor, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you, and I will be sure to get your contact information links posted on our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and please, please, please let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Reminder, we do try to stream a recap of the month-long extra lore conversations in the first Wednesday of each month. But if we do have any variations, as we did this week or as this month, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at FocusFireChat. Also, please be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.